Calling all podcasters, musicians, vloggers, and reporters, and everyone else who wants crystal clear recording that's super portable. The Shure Motive family of microphones makes studio quality audio that's as simple as plug and play. Many of the world's top podcasters rely on Shure, and with a Motive line of iOS and USB microphones, portability is now your friend. Imagine being able to get great audio quickly and easily from your phone, tablet, or computer. Simply visit Shure.com/motive to start getting great audio for your content now. That's S-H-U-R-E.com/forward/slash/M-O-T-I-V. Welcome to Define You Radio, the place to be for real talk and real tips to help you define your personal and professional life. Class is in session with your host, the Southern Belle of Bold, Valencia Griffin Wallace. Pens and papers ready. Class is now in session. Hello, hello, and welcome to the 2018 season of Define You Radio. I'm your host, the Southern Belle of Bold, Valencia Griffin-Wallace. Define You Radio is the place to get the life lessons, strategies, and more to help you define life on your own terms. Notice the wording, your own terms. Make sure you are connected to all things Define You including Define You Movement, where classes in session seven days a week. You can find out more at defineuradio.com. I want to welcome all new listeners and the old heads. You know, if you've been here with me, rolling with me for a while, I really do appreciate you. So I just want to throw that out there. Thank you so much for being here. You guys are in for a treat. I know I'm excited. So this month's series, we're talking about vision, we're talking about being a better you and doing all the great things that you've been saying tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Well, guess what? Tomorrow is now, and that's what we're talking about. We're joined by the beautiful Allison Pina, and I'm hoping I pronounced her name correctly. Y'all know sometimes that that Southern Emmy kicks in and we pronounce things our own way. She is part of the Affluence Code and Bad Widow. So we're going to definitely be talking about both of those things and more on today's show. She teaches people how to tap into their natural zone of genius. I'm slowing down on that word. I am a genius, so I'm definitely looking forward to knowing how to tap into my genius to uh, consistently and unleash all resources required for extraordinary results. She's perfect for tonight's show. So with that being said, let's go ahead and welcome Ms. Allison. Hi, Ms. Allison. How are you doing today? Hi. Thank you so much for having me on your show. (laughs) Yay. Well, we are glad to have you here. And I can't wait to delve into today's show because tapping into our zone of genius, what does that mean? What is our zone of genius? So our zone of genius, basically there are three things that everybody cares about. They care about doing impeccable work. They care about nurturing their one-on-one relationships, starting with themselves. And they care about service. They care about serving their ecosystem or their community. So that's like their family, their neighborhood, their uh, city, their state, their country, their world whatever it is for you. And so every single person cares about those three things, but the zone of genius exists in one of them typically, and each one has their strengths. The first one, the one about work, I call purpose, a lens of purpose. It's like how you see the world, how you interact into the world. If purpose is the first lens, You're great at getting things done, maybe not so good at relationships. So these people very often are called workaholics. Second lens is love. So love is nurturing one-on-one relationships. These people, when they are taking really good care of themselves, these people are the ones that you want to be around. They're the ones that you just feel good when you're with them. They bring out the best in people. When they are drained themselves, when they've been putting other people in front of themselves for too long, everybody runs from them. They're actually repellent to everything that they want. 
they typically struggle to make money because money as an end game makes no sense to them. Like if you say, okay, you're going to make $50,000 this year. That's what, that's what you're going to make. Unless they backhack that into the experiences that they'll have at whatever level that is, 50, 100, a million, whatever it is, if it's not in experiences, doesn't make any sense to them. So in order for these people to make money, they have to translate it into what are the experiences that they could have if that money was in their lives. And then the last is charity. So charity is serving a thriving ecosystem. These people are your Uber connectors. These are the ones that, so if you're in a sales job, people go, okay, go find an attorney, go find a lawyer, go find a banker. Those are connectors. Another kind of connector is the person in the church that everybody goes to for everything. Like if they don't have the answer, they know who does, for sure. Right? Those three exist in everybody as capacities in some order. If you're not focused on the one that's your main thing, you're not operating in your zone of genius. And then you struggle. Whereas if you are doing, if you're really thriving, if you're really, if you love to work, if you're really working, if you love to, you know, just take care of people and you're really doing that and everything clicks along, you get the results you want fast and furious and synchronicity kicks in, everything kicks in. I'm glad that you said that everyone has all three to some degree because I was like, okay, that's me. Okay, well, maybe that's not. Maybe this, this is me, and then this is me because I could see all where all three are, are factors in my life. But honestly, when you talked about love, that is the one I'm – more closely related to, kind of like that if mama's happy, everybody's happy. Like if I love myself, I feel like I could give it more. But when I'm feeling not so Valencia lovey-dovey, then like you said, it's like, oh, run away, run away. I was totally with that one until you mentioned about um, about making money. Because that is a, a big part of me. Also, you know, I know I've always known how to make money and what to do with it and everything. So that's very interesting. And definitely the the charity part, the caring about, you know, the community giving back. And I am that person that if I don't know the answer, if I don't know, know it, I know someone who does. So how would someone like me that feel like I'm, you know, equally probably all parts of that, how would I know about my particular zone of genius when I feel like I'm genius in all three areas? Well, when you have it in order, you are. Okay. So when you have the right order. So, for example, I'm, um, I, I designed the Affluence Code stuff, this Unlocking the Affluence Code stuff, because I saw people thriving and people not thriving, and it was not okay with me that there were these amazing people who were really struggling. So I looked for solutions, and I didn't find them. So I invented this. Like I literally created this because I needed a way to have people able to to be in their zone of genius, no matter what kind of person they were, and to understand that if they didn't work in the way that the world said they had to work, there was nothing wrong with them. Nothing. They just weren't operating their way. And once they figured out what their way was, then everything got easy. Right? So I've talked and had people come up to me in tears and say, oh, my gosh, that explains so much. Because I'm sure they feel like outsiders when you don't operate in the way that, you know, the world is telling you you should operate. I, I know this is my feelings about it because um, this is how I felt. Like some things didn't make sense to me. I operated differently, so for a long time I felt like an outsider. Yep. Do you get that a lot? I get that a whole lot. So my guess would be that your love purpose charity. And and what that tells me is that tells me the best strategies for you because the reason that these are lenses, like how you see the world, is 
when you look out at all the possibilities for what you could do, there's a million, right? Right. So the problem in today's world is how do you narrow the field? Which are the ones you're going to really succeed about? Once you figure out what your affluence code is, then you're looking out into the world through this filter. Okay, what is my biggest sweet spot? And then you're choosing those opportunities that match up with that. And then every decision and every action comes from there through this filter, and you will unlock all of them, all of the strategies for every single lens, as long as you've got them in order. That does that make so much? No, it, it does. It makes so much sense because it, like, it makes sense. It makes sense everything you said. But I could see where. When someone says, you know, love is first, you know, dealing with love in myself, because, you know, it's one of the biggest battles being a woman. People feel like society tells us we should love ourselves, but you don't, but not too much. Because in, right. in all reality, if I don't love me, I don't know how to make not make, but how other people should love me. If I don't respect me, I don't know how other people should respect me. For a person who's loved first, self-care is mandatory, absolutely mandatory. And if you are taking care of your own self-care, you'll make more money. Whereas if you aren't, the money, the money, you will struggle to make money because people who are loved first, they get paid for being themselves more than any of the other ones. <laughs> yes, you're hitting so many nails, and I know right now the audience is like, oh, my gosh, it all makes sense. It all makes sense now. That is like I'm just having a movie trailer, so to speak, playing in my head of my life, times yep. where I started taking care of me and times that I didn't. And um, uh-huh. most of the listeners, knowing anyone that's, pretty much connected with me, know that at the lowest point of my life, you know, I was 80 pounds heavier. I was miserable in everything else, and I wasn't taking care of me yep. at, at all. I was putting me last, and not just externally, but internally. What made me happy? All those things were last, but you and you could see it physically. But yep. when I started focusing on me, making me happy, what what's going to make me feel better, then it changed my whole perspective of life. It, it changed my whole life. And I don't know if I would have made that change if I would still be here. And that's just me being honest. And people wanted to be around you. And so then more opportunities came to you because you were wonderful, right? So that's how it works. And then but the way that the world is set up, it's work hard to make money. That's right, the framework right. of, of purpose. So people who have purpose lens first, they, they do pretty well in companies, right? Except they're good at managing projects and things, like brilliant. You can scale them as big as you want doing projects, and it'll all make sense. But if they're promoted to manage people, too many of those get promoted to manage people, the company itself will start to break down because they're not good at empowerment. So love is good at nurturing. Charity is good at empowerment. Purpose is good at getting things done. And all of those are necessary. So how do you unleash all of it? That's what the affluence code is about. That's powerful. You've just, you've given me so many revelations because all of those are important factors in my life. I've never looked at, you know, working hard just to make money. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. like the end all and be all, but I knew you had to work and make money to have a great life. But one of the things that's important to me is that my, you know, my son and, you know, whoever else is around me gets to see me enjoy it. Yep. Like, you know, so I make money so I could enjoy life, so I could travel more, so I could do more, not just to have some, you know, ridiculously big house and a million cars and it's only one me. And, you know, like that kind of stuff didn't 
it never made sense to me. Like I was, it has to be why work to make money because you could do a whole lot of stuff and make money. Absolutely. You, know? so, you are Absolutely. a genius. <laughs> I just want to say that. <laughs> you, you're a, so how did you come up, up about this? Like what was that, that revelation to really make – because the average person – or even me, and I consider myself to be above average, would not think of that. So what, how did you come to this revelation? Basically, I mean, that's the only words I could use. Well, people think about affluence as, as money, right? Right, right. But it's actually not just money. So, for example, if you have all the money in, your, in the world but you're not healthy, you're not affluent. Mm. If you have all the money in the world, but the business that you're in is making you unhappy or the job that you're in is not a good fit. So for example, if you like, if you like to work with people who think fast, who are, are really interesting, who are always looking for the new thing, you might want to be in an industry that's like IT. You might not want to work with accountants. Right. Right. So if you start with yourself, then it makes a lot of things clear, you know, significantly clearer. So I was looking at people who were doing things and who were living in ways that were not congruent with who they were, and they were miserable. And I wanted to find a solution. And so I came up with this for a business to help people get in their zone of genius, I discovered that there were actually five areas to true affluence. So there's money, there's time, business or career, there's health and there's relationships. If there's a gap between what you have and what you want in any of those areas, you're not affluent. You can move the dial on one that really triggers you. Like money is very triggering. People get very stressed out about money. Right. If you have a gap in one of the other areas and you bring yourself closer to what you want in a different area, it also moves the dial in one that's really hard to deal with. What, what's an example of that? So I'll give you a, a real-life example from Bad Widow. So... Um, I am a charity love purpose. So what that means is that um, so the second feeds into the first. So charity is serve a thriving ecosystem. Love is nurturing one-on-one relationships. And purpose is doing impeccable work, getting things done, right? So the second guides the first, sort of. So it's nurturing one-on-one relationships to serve a thriving ecosystem. That's my need. My husband was purpose love charity. So his was to nurture one-on-one relationships to get things done, to do impeccable work. And then what happened was the ecosystem was supported. In October 2015, my husband was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. And you may not know, but the life expectancy for someone with that diagnosis is six weeks to three months. We had been together, we were married almost 20 years. We were together by the time he died, almost 25. So not a short time. And um, so suddenly we were looking at this short life expectancy and we decided to do things a little differently. The doctors were saying, why don't you rest? You need to withdraw from things. And what we did instead was we decided to live full tilt boogie until the very end. And in order to do that, we each leaned into our own affluence codes. So my husband was purpose first, so he needed to work. He finished his last commissioned painting. He was an artist. 
the Thursday before he died, and he died on Saturday. So he was sitting up, painting, talking to people two days before he died. And from June to September, the doctors said it was us. He finished his book. I had on my bucket list to sing solo on stage and to speak about my Affluence Code work on stage. I spoke on three stages and I sang on four. Wow. So, yeah, so, th- so that's like in action. I, I designed it as a business and then it became personal. So you had, I have so many questions from what you just said. Number one, <laughs> of course, let me say, um, you know, I'm sorry for the loss of your husband. Yeah. And I I love that you said he was an artist. Yeah. And he did that in you know, I I'm an artist. Right? I tell ah. people it's being being a creative person, um, with your hands and your mind can if you don't focus things can quickly go left, right and sideways. Yep. Um and in high school I've studied art and I've always did art. I had, you know, work put into different shows when I was in high school. Mm. And this is, I was, I'm a very, I'm a talented artist with all mediums except painting. I could do charcoal, (laughs) chalk, pointillism, um, you know, all of the, even I could sculpt a little, not a lot, but painting, I could never, me and painting just never were friends. But yep. I was good at it, but I didn't quite enjoy it because of this whole perfectionist mentality thing in my head. Now, I could pull on, because on, the talent didn't go away, I could still draw, probably not as good as I used to, but I was such a perfectionist with it, I couldn't, I would create something or work on a piece for like three weeks and find one little flaw, one little (laughs) flaw, and I would rip it up. Uh, And it it became a point of frustration. But when you're an artist, you see things different. Yep. Yep. And it's with you and and your husband, being that you guys' affluence code was different, did you – did it help y'all balance? It really did. Um, so in my experience, two people who are purpose first don't make a good relationship. Okay. Because there's no one taking care of the love part and the empowerment part. So we were, we were a good match. And I knew, I knew, for example, in order to survive this, I needed, so mine was serving a thriving ecosystem. So I needed to serve. So I literally talked about our journey as we were going through it on Facebook, publicly. Mm-hmm. And I, um, when I, because for, for me, this pain had to serve some purpose other than being just horrifying, <laughs> truthfully. Right. Um, it had to serve my community. And, and so I wound up, you know, inspiring people. And I wound up asking, learning how to ask for what we needed in a way that was not, um, that was not begging, that was, that was making clean requests and actually receiving everything we needed. So, for example, when, when Dave was, the last 10 days of Dave's life, he needed oxygen, 24-7 oxygen. And oxygen was not covered. Hmm. And a friend of mine sent me the money to pay for his oxygen. So literally what, what began to happen is I began to get so clean and so clear in my requests but so not, you know how asking for stuff is sometimes sticky because we're sort of embarrassed? Right. I discovered how to really ask for and receive what we needed exactly 
without it being creepy for either of us. I love that. And more people can learn from that because, number one, a lot of people would just suffer. I don't want to say suffer because I don't know in that situation um, if you would just, you know, swallow your pride and be like, look, we need this situation handled. Um, But there's nothing, uh, like they say, a closed mouth don't get fed. So yeah. I, and and you're in in different situations in life. Of course, in that situation, people always asking, "What do you need? What do you need?" And of course, as people, we say, "Oh, just pray for me," or "Oh, just this," or "Oh, just that." When no, this is a direct. This, like you said, a clean request, and I, it was very direct and to the point. Look, he needs oxygen. Yep. That, and that this is how much it costs. Right, and that that's. That requires, and, um, you know, that's like a whole other level of, of respect because it was very direct and to the point. And, um, you know, some of the listeners that went along the, the journey with me or knew after when my grandmother passed, losing her battle with uh, cancer last year, one of the things, she was on oxygen on and off. And, you know, as a grandchild, I don't, you know, I don't know where it came from. I just know she had it. I didn't know if it was, you know, covered or any of those things. But the oxygen is vital. I mean, people, you know, it's like yeah. you need it. So I I love that and I love the honesty. And thank you so much for sharing it with the with the listeners. Oh, you're and, welcome. I mean, and. And so one of the things I started doing in Bad Widow, there were all these things that I discovered as a caregiver, you know, people would say, I would need to take care of myself because I was the linchpin. And uh, even my husband would say, but I'm the one who's sick. And I would think, yeah, but I'm the one holding up the ship. Right, right. (laughs) If I go down, this whole thing is going to fall apart. Right. <laughs> and so um, one of the things I started sharing in Bad Widow when I started writing the blog for Bad Widow is all of these things that I learned about how do you do this much more powerfully? Like how do you move through all the emotions much more peacefully? How do you do this stuff? And how do you navigate loss? Because Loss isn't just losing a person. It's losing a job. It's losing a house to foreclosure. It's, you know, having kids move out of the house and having an empty nest, you know, and we're really bad at it. We're really bad at navigating loss. Now, I know we kind of briefly touched on uh, Bad Widow, but why don't you go ahead and tell the audience exactly what it is and what's the, the purpose of it? So the purpose of Bad Widow, essentially I started writing Bad Widow. Affluence Code is affluencecode.com. Bad Widow is badwidow.com. There were all these assumptions that people were making about how I was and how they should interact with me. And so the name Bad Widow to start came about because what I wanted to do was shake up the assumptions. Because very often what people thought I wanted was dead wrong. And so they wound up not giving me what I needed and wanted. I wound up being really annoyed. We both lost. And then I was more isolated than ever. And they were not supporting me. And they wanted to. They loved me. They wanted to do something for me. And they were just messing it up. (laughs) (laughs) To be frank. And so... Bad Widow started out as just a blog. I've written over 80 blog posts on it since January of um, 2017. Um, And it was just really self-expression for me. And then first it was just writing the experiences. And then people started writing in and saying, oh, my gosh, that's really what it's like because I wasn't writing – from a distance, I wasn't writing, well, the, the um, 
Psychiatrists say that this is what you should do. I was writing right. from the middle of what I was going through. But now I was going to say that's um, important, and I'm prob and probably it probably was a little therapeutic for you also to be able to write while in it, while in the battle, instead of you know after or before or looking to seek other advice. This is what's going on while I'm here. Yes. Yes. And it really gave other people permission to be be where they were, to not, you know, remove themselves, remove themselves from the emotion, remove themselves from the, the breakdowns that were happening. And then what happened was I started to, to be really clear about how to support someone like me. And so people who loved caregivers or who loved people who were bereaved, who had been who had not known what to do. You know, they were saying things like, what can I do for you? And a person who's bereaved, I mean, it is a, it is a wasteland of grief. Right. It's like being on the beach and you're a little kid and the waves are rolling in and you get rolled by the waves and there's no control and you're terrified. So from there, how do you say what you need? There's no way. Right. You just know you need help, but you don't know who to ask or what to say uh, or how right. to ask. And so one of the pieces of advice that I gave that someone actually followed was I said, you talk to the person without judgment and you see what's going on. Then you make a suggestion based on what they said. And then you do it, asking for guidance as needed. Do you and I've had yeah no go ahead I've had people actually do this and have it work do you recommend that someone would come from an emotional space or from a factual logical space I mean people come from where they are the 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 emotions are so variable that I mean, I spent months in overwhelming, just a desert of grieving. And then, then the rage rose. So I, I never quite knew when it was going to hit. So part of it is just to listen from wherever the person is. I mean, maybe they're factual. Maybe they're uh, struggling with bills or can't clean their apartment or uh, need help getting a small job so that they can start feeling confident again. And those are very practical things. Or maybe they just need to express whatever emotions are going on so that they can go through it but someone's holding their hand. And they don't actually need anything practical in that moment. But if you listen to where people are and then you can deal with whatever it is that surfaces that they need next, Without assumptions. I love everything you said about both areas. Because um, dealing with death is not easy, and sometimes you can't put things into words. Some some things it's hard to to explain. You just want to go in a closet and come out whenever you're ready. You right. know. Um, at least, you know, that's, you know, with losing my mom and my grandmother, it's just, I just, I couldn't. There, sometimes there's no words. And I know with my grandmother, when she got sick in January of last year, and the doctor yep. initially said, um, you know, she has a month to live. I grieved yep. for her then, you know, so I went into, you know, other little phases of that, taking care of her, you know, those different things. And yep. then when she passed, I almost felt like I had grieved already. It, so I thought. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, maybe it was a week after her funeral or something. It was after her funeral when when it hit me, When you know, when it hit me, and I couldn't explain it because I thought I had took care of that way when I found out, you know, what the doctor said in January. 
some stuff you can't, I couldn't explain that because everybody else cried and broke down, you know, at the funeral and, and when she died. But mine yeah, came yeah. way before and way later. So it was, it's, it's very interesting because we all know death is a part of life. That doesn't make it easier. No, no. And, and one of the things that I'm, I'm working on, I'm working on creating a product for this and some consulting work for this um, is that I've discovered that there, there's not one level of loss that we go through when we have these experiences. There are actually three. So the first is we lose the person. And there's that whatever feelings there are around having lost that person. So we have all the memories. And then we have the future that we wanted with that person that we never will get to have. Hmm. So that's the first level. The second level is that when we, when we love, when we're invested in something and then we lose it, we are entangled around them. In 25 years with my husband, there was me, there was him, and there was us. But us right. was pretty big after 25 years. I mean, us was its own thing. And so losing him, I lost him himself, but I lo- also lost the us. So I've had to literally rediscover who I am without him to build back a me who can exist without him. And then the third level is community. So I'm a widow, and I think this happens more for women than for men. I am not invited places I was invited to before with couples. So when we went out as couples, Dave and I would go. A lot of those have fallen away. And so there are gaps in my community. And in fact, Dave filled so many spaces in my life that replacing what he was for me is brutal. And that's the third level. And so for each of these levels, what I've been doing is I've been thinking, I've been working my way through it, like with my affluence code work and with my bad widow work, what are resources and what are solutions that can help get people through these different levels? So that's another piece of what I'm working on at the moment. That That is so powerful, and it's much needed. Um, mm-hmm. Because you – I'm trying to see how to, how to word it. When, when my grandmother passed, um, yeah. the realization hit me that there are no generations above me. Mm-hmm. Because – you know, and when I was born, of course, I had my great-grandmother, my grandmother, and my mother. So I, I was a fourth generation, so to speak. And yes. so that was the role I played, I was fourth generation. And when my grandmother died, that was it. Yeah. That was it. So so I went through this thing and, and probably still going through it to, su- to some extent. What does that mean? That mm-hmm. there's no, gen- you know, and... It, it changed the, like when you talked about the community, it was, a, it was a lot of things that my family as a whole did based around my grandmother because Lord yep. knows we would not have dealt with each other, you know, as much as we did if it wasn't for her being that pulling force. So now, um, you know, of course it's been, it's, less than a year because she passed in July. Now we're trying to figure out and find a way and to see if we even want a way to try to build that community that was built around all of our relationships with her. So I, I love that, that you are, are doing it because it's, it's so needed and unless someone goes through it, you don't know that, that you need it. Exactly, exactly. And and I'm excited to sort of bring through all this stuff that, that frankly, I created to survive myself. Hmm. But what it means is I've, I've walked this. 
Like I'm, I'm not talking secondhand. I'm talking, this is what I did to survive. These are the resources that I created to thrive in the face of horrifying stuff. So my husband, um, and I may get teary, which is fine. It's good. Yes. Um, so my husband and I talked about what we wanted at the end. And obviously we didn't want an end, but if there was going to be one, we wanted it our way. And we wanted him to be able to die at home. We wanted it to be just the two of us. And we had been doing this process when we were really scared, we would fill up with love. We would just fill up with love deliberately. And I would, I would di- made up this little meditation, like the love was a wave and the wave would go over us from toes to the top of the head and the wave would just keep coming of love. And we had been practicing this for months. And so the last day, um, he was in my arms, he had his head on my shoulder, and I said, in a body, you need breath and love. Out of a body, you just need love. So I said, when you're ready, go out on the love. And at the, at the end, I was holding him in my arms, and he took four breaths, and he went out on the love. And we didn't want an ending, but if there had to be one, that's what we wanted. And that's what we got. And it's rare. That's rare. Even even to, and I applaud your relationship and the openness and the love you guys shared, that you were even able to have that discussion and to decide this is how we're going to do it. Yep. Because that in itself takes strength. Because a lot of times people don't have that discussion and mm-hmm. they don't even, or, or have the strength to follow through with it. So I, I applaud um, you guys' strength and love. Yeah, and I was under, the hospice people actually were, were putting quite a lot of pressure on me to put him into hospital hospice. And I really fought for us to have the ending that we wanted. Um, and, you know, they say crazy things. They, they said, yep. uh, put gloves on to touch him. And I thought, mm-hmm. he has cancer. <laughs> right. Not contagious. Right, right. You know, but you know, it was really for for our little community, which is my thing. I needed, I needed us to end that way, right. and he, there was no fear and there was no pain. Did you find that when that role changed, you know, your relationship and and you know when he passed, did you find that it changed your code? No, the code stays the same. It's just a question of whether you are, basically you have every access to every single strategy of every single lens if you've got them in order. So I still lean on my community and I receive. So I nurture one-on-one relationships to serve a thriving community. But people think of charity as sacrificial. In a community, Dave and I were part of the community. We were the part that was not thriving. So like love has to focus on self-care, when we weren't thriving, I put our attention on, I put all of my attention on us. I was wondering because when people have a loss and their, their world as they know it basically changes, did it change the or the your order? Like when he passed, did you say, okay, now I have to 
strictly, you know, focus on, on me and loving me to where the love was first? Or did you go into this, okay, I'm going to focus on work and making money now? You know, because I could see where maybe people, I guess if someone changed after that, then maybe that was never their original order in the first place. I mean, a signal that you're out of order is you're struggling in any of the five areas. So what happens when you've got it right is that everything just works. Everything just clicks along and it's easy. And when it's wrong, you're struggling. Um, So that's kind of the fast and dirty way to figure it out. And you can sort of thread the the descriptions together. So if the second guides the first, and the first is where you need to be spending the most time. So if you're love, purpose, charity, then it's uh, get things done or do impeccable work to nurture one-on-one relationships. And then your community, your ecosystem is served. Just organically. You don't have to do anything about the third if you got the first two right. It just happens. Um, so if you thread the lines, love is nurturing one-on-one relationships. Purpose is doing impeccable work. Charity is serving a thriving ecosystem. And you know that the second feeds into the first. Then you can muck around with the descriptions to figure out what you are. And you at a certain point were like, yes, this is where I spend most of my time. This is where I'm happiest happiest in that sector called love. And these other things are also important to everybody. But you, you get it right. You get your order and then you're not looking outside yourself to figure out what to do. You're starting with you. Hmm. And it's so much easier if everything you do is congruent with who you are. It, then it makes sense. It, I under, I, like I understand so much. You've opened my mind up to so much and made it make sense to me. <laughs> Yay! Yay, I know. That's like, <laughs> that's one of the things I love about the show because I tell people, you know, because it's Define You Radio classes and sessions. And I tell people, I'm taking notes during the show and I'm learning and I'm constantly learning more about me. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I love it and, and thank you so much. And I know you have a course with with that. So how can they find it, get to it, you know, how, how can the audience connect with you and definitely find out more about the, the course and so they can find their own zone of genius? Yes. So the course, the, the first course that I've already made is called How to Unlock and Leverage Your Affluence Code 101. And you can go to um, affluencecode.com and buy it, it's $47. Or if you go and find me on Facebook, uh, Allison Penna and I have an Affluence Code page, there's a code to get $10 off. So it's $37 there. Um, So my two websites are affluencecode.com and badwidow.com. The other thing that I'd like to invite you to do is, if you want to talk to me specifically, book a call with me. Book a, a half-hour free discovery call and find out how I can support you. I have lots of free resources. I do consulting. Talk to me. If I can help you, I'm glad to help you. You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Valencia. <laughs> to get the uh, free discovery call, um, they will go to the affluent affluencecode.com? Either affluencecode.com or badwidow.com and just schedule a call. There's like a booking link there. Well, thank you so much, Miss Allison. Oh, Um, you're so welcome. You are definitely a genius. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> thank you for for sharing that and also sharing your your story. Um, it's those things that people don't talk about that they think about, but we need to talk about it in order to to help um, or to get where we need to be to get to the other side. Because life, there's a, a quote. I don't know who it's from, guys. Don't quote me. Um, but it's like you thought it was hard, so it was. Mm-hmm. And that sums up life to me. If you if you think it's hard, it will be. So when you find your zone of genius, see, I'm bringing it full circle, guys, I'm bringing it full circle. When you find your zone of genius, <laughs> then that will help you to not think it's hard. Makes sense to me. Miss Allison, is there one tip you would like to leave the audience with? Nobody gets out alive. So live every day fully. And it was really unique to live fully in the face of Dave's dying because it brought an immediacy to it. So what I would say is live Full tilt boogie, live fearlessly, live boldly. If there's something you've been wanting to do for 10 years, don't wait 10 years to do it. Do it now because life is short. I love that. And I need a shirt that says living full tilt boogie. <laughs> so, look, when you come when you come up with it, you if, when you create that, please let me know. I need it on the shirt. <laughs> Because it's self-explanatory when I go out and I just do random stuff. I'm living my life full tilt boogie. So thank you. Thank you so much, Ms. Allison, and welcome to the Define You Radio family. Kings and queens, make sure you connect with our guests at affluencecode.com. That's A-F-F-L-U-E-N-C-E-C-O-D-E.com or badwidow, B-A-D-W-I-D-O-W.com. You will also find her information on Define You Radio's Facebook page. With that being said, pens and papers down, class is officially over. Until next time, remember your past doesn't define you. It gives you definition, and it's up to you what you do with that. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to Define You Radio. Make sure you connect with the show at www.defineuradio.com. Pins and papers down. Class dismissed. Pros in the know start with Lowe's because Lowe's makes it easy to save big on building materials to finish any job. Need to stock up on water heaters? Save 5% on select A.O. Smith water heaters when you buy three or more of the same model. Plus, save 5% on eligible purchases every day when you use your Lowe's business credit account. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. While supplies last, credit offer subject to credit approval can't be combined with other credit offers. Exclusions apply U.S. only.